Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-host and I give you our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesomes. This is episode 71 of the show. I'm joined this week by my dear friend and lovely co-host Kelly Gordon. And today we are going to spend a little time talking about the awesome role of routines in our lives. We know many of you are relieved to be back into the regular routines of the school year. And we wanted to share some of our daily routines that make life more awesome for ourselves and for our families. As you're listening to this episode, you might remember that I'm preparing to leave for my trip with World Vision USA to Lebanon. I'll be traveling with them from September 10th to the 17th. And while I'm there, I'll be part of a media team that's reporting on the Syrian refugee crisis and how Syrians are resettling into life in Lebanon, as well as how churches, mosques, and other humanitarian aid groups are helping there. I'll be taking what I learned over there and turning it into podcast form. Now, if you would like to follow along on my trip, there's a couple of ways for you to do that with social media. First of all, I'm going to be making all of my personal Facebook posts public while I'm in Lebanon. So if you would like to follow my personal profile, you'll find that at facebook.com slash Megan.teats. You can also find my personal account on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. Now, while I'm there, I'll also be sharing a little bit to the show's social media accounts. So just a reminder, you can find that at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome and on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Also, make sure that you are signed up for the show's newsletter. You can do that at tinyletter.com slash Sorta Awesome or by going to our webpage, SortaAwesomeShow.com to sign up. So that was a lot of information, but I wanted to give you that quick reminder because I'll be leaving for Lebanon very soon. So now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the show the way we always do with our awesome of the week. Kelly, what do you have for us this week? Oh, I have a good awesome. And in fact, it kind of goes in with your trip because it's international sort of related. Okay. I'm very excited, by the way. I could make your Lebanon trip my awesome of the week, but I won't. <laughs> um, it is actually some earrings that I wear, I would say, almost every other day. 
especially in the summer, but for sure in the fall too, as I transition, I tend to wear a lot of dresses in the summer, as we've discussed in the show before. And so really, as the weather starts to cool, I tend to just add accessories to my dresses, like a jacket, a jean jacket that I have, or leggings. So these earrings just complement everything. And they're from Noonday. Mm -hmm. If y'all might be familiar with Noonday, I think a lot of people are. They are a organization that works with women and I think some men around the world, local artisans, and then they help them take their craft, beautiful, beautiful jewelry and accessories that they sell online and um, in home stores that you can then buy and support the artisans that live around the world that you would not normally have access to their handiwork. So these are called the Crescent Moon Earrings. They have been, you know, Noonday always comes out with new collections, but these earrings, I'm just going to guess, are some sort of a bestseller because they're always available. Um, They're maybe a little bit more than you might be used to paying for earrings. They're $34, but again, a lot of that money goes back to the artisan. And honestly, so worth the money. They are brass, dangly sort of circles with silver threads that make it look like a half moon. Oh, how pretty. So, yeah, yeah, they're really pretty. And I like the fact that they're both silver and gold. Mm -hmm. You know, so sometimes if you have a hang up, I sometimes do about like, do you want this to match what you're wearing (laughs) or or something? It kind of just goes with everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love dangly earrings. They're about two inches big. So they're, they're fairly big. And I like big earrings too. I think that's just a fun accessory. So I'll put some pictures, you know, on, I'm sure the sort of awesome Instagram, as well as probably in the the hangout group or something so that you guys can see what they look like because they are really just fun, maybe a little unexpected and classic. They can go with everything. And Noonday has such a great mission. So they're a great organization to support. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I'm always on the lookout for a great pair of earrings. Those sound lovely. And you? Okay, well, I'm laughing at myself already for my awesome of the week because, you know, Kelly, a lot of times on the show, we really, we take a lot of pride, a lot of joy in bringing to the awesomes through our awesome of the week, something that we've just discovered, something that's surprising or new, new to us. I feel like my awesome of the week this week is on the opposite end of that spectrum, (laughs) Because it's something that probably everybody's familiar with, and it has to do with Walmart. <laughs> okay. It's normally not all that awesome, <laughs> um, I guess, depending on where you live and, and what Walmart you have access to. But I have to tell you, I have finally started making use of their online grocery shopping feature. I don't know if you have this in your area. We are in Oklahoma City. Maybe we're the last ones to get it. I don't even know. But it finally came to the store that's closest to us. Do you guys have it up there? I'm not sure if we do. I haven't looked. Okay. Well, what they have set up is a system where you can log in. I think it's like grocery.walmart.com. And it will tell you where your closest store is that offers the online shopping feature you go through, you can just type in from your grocery list or whatever, everything that you need, you just type it in, it brings up what all of your choices are. So if you type in deodorant, it'll bring up every choice for that store of deodorant you could get. Um, You just like click it and add it to your cart. And when you're done with your list, I think they have, at least our store has a minimum of $30 per order for this. You fill up your list, you fill up your cart, I'm sorry, based on your list. And it's not only grocery, which it does, it covers all all the grocery, whether it's frozen foods, dairy, produce, um, packaged food, whatever you need from the grocery section, but also 
You can shop things from the pharmacy, from health and beauty. You can even get some like sports equipment and hobbies and toys. Like for example, one order, Eliza, AJ had decided that she wanted to start riding her bike to school, but she needed a bike lock. So mm -hmm. I was just filling out my order at <laughs> for my online grocery order at Walmart. And I was like, huh, I wonder if I can get a bike lock. Typed it in. Sure enough, could get a little bike lock for her that they just threw in with my grocery order. Yep. <laughs> So because the past few weeks have been so completely busy with trying to um, prepare both Sorta Awesome and then Smartest Person in the Room, the podcast I'm helping produce with our co-host Laura Tremaine, getting those shows ready for me to be gone for a week, getting my family and home ready for me to be gone for a week. I have been using this so often, and it's so nice because our Walmart is actually on the way home from Daisy's school. So I drop AJ off, drop Daisy off at her school. As I'm coming back home, I just pull into a, a, the dedicated parking space at our Walmart store. I call him and let him know what parking space I'm in. They're all numbered. And like five minutes later, they're bringing it out, showing me my order, loading my groceries into the car. 10 minutes tops, I'm done. I'm driving back home with this, you know, whatever I had on my grocery list. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's been super, super helpful. Also, I was going to say, they do give you the option um, because somebody goes actually into the store, obviously, and shops for you. They ask you for if, if it's okay if they make substitutions on some things. So you, you have that option on every single thing you put in your car if a substitution is okay or not. And you can just uncheck the box if you don't want a substitution. For example, I'm very weird in particular about using only Cascade dishwashing detergent. <laughs> I've experimented with a lot and a lot of store brands. I know Cascade is the one that works in our dishwasher. So on my last order, I had to get Cascade and I put no substitution on that. Like I unchecked the box for substitution. I didn't want Walmart store brand or a different brand. I needed it to be Cascade. Now, if they don't have it, they just don't, and you say no right. substitutions, they just don't fill that. And they go over your whole list with you when they bring it out to your car, if they had to make substitutions, what they were, and if there was something just not in stock. So, But that's that's in many ways how I use Amazon anymore as right? far as, you know, the bike lock, the, the odd things that come up that I think, I don't know if Target's going to carry that. And if Target doesn't carry it, I don't know where else to go. I don't like, since I don't like to shop, you know, I'll say even especially about clothes. Oh, mm -hmm. I couldn't find this for Natalie. And someone will say, well, did you try Kohl's or did you? And I'm like, I know, like yeah. if it doesn't exist at Target, <laughs> it doesn't exist. So Amazon is like my plan B. Yeah. I can go to Amazon and get shoes and uh -huh. get bike locks and get those red felt tip correcting pens that we couldn't find for school supplies. Mm -hmm. But you can't do produce. Right. Like, you yeah. know, so that's wonderful. And I think especially for what anybody who has a reason not to have time to go in the store or the hassle of going into a store, like I'm thinking you with the twins, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It can be sometimes a fun outing. I mean, yes. I liked sometimes to take my little kids when I had little kids at home to the store. It was like an adventure, right? Yes. But <laughs> not all the time. Right. And you don't always have time for that. That's the main thing. I do. I still like to go grocery shopping and sometimes even just to get out of the house. It's mm -hmm. nice to just load everyone up and then go yes. to the store. And the twins are actually super excellent at the store. I don't mind taking them. It's just, you know how it is, just loading them in, getting them in their car seats, getting them out, all of that just it's extra time, not to mention yes. time out of, out of my schedule. So I don't know that this will completely replace 
grocery shopping for me. I do still like to go grocery shopping, but since I have been in such a time crunch lately and my brain has been so busy with so many things that I'm constantly forgetting, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot light bulbs again. (laughs) So um, there's been a lot of use of this and it has truly been my awesome of the week. I know it's not like super original, but it's really been awesome for me in this very crazy moment in my life. But even if it's been out for a while, I think the cool thing about our Awesomes of the Week is sometimes we bring something around or something that we discover that other people, I bet there's a lot of Awesomes that are listening right now that would say, I've heard of this, but I I haven't tried it yet. And so just hearing your report back, knowing that it is an actual sort of awesome option is. is a good thing. It is. It's a very good thing. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are talking a little bit about our routines today. We, Kelly and I both have four kids and kids have gone back into school schedules and we are slipping back into our regular school year routines. So we thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about the role that routines play in our own personal lives as well as in the lives of our family. And you know, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I just like to hear how other people are doing things. Like, tell me your practical thing that you're doing for this, because I'm always picking up little bits and pieces, little nuggets along the way that are like, oh, I had never thought of doing it that way. I completely could do that instead of this, and that might work even better. So we're going to be kind of pulling back the curtain, I guess, a little bit (laughs) on how we run our homes and our families to talk about that. But before we get into that, I have to tell you, I wanted to talk a little bit about how our Myers-Briggs types play into how we organize our home and personal life. So (laughs) Myers-Briggs, hashtag Myers-Briggs. Kelly and I are always talking about how these things influence our choices that we're making. And um, as we were planning this show, we realized Both of us, Kelly and I are both ENFPs in the Myers-Briggs system, and we're both married to INTJs. So we have a lot of dynamics in our homes and in our families that are very similar. But we didn't want to keep the scope limited to that because every person, all of us have ways that we do things. And those ways that we do things are all influenced by what hopefully we have figured out works for us over time. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Myers-Briggs before we start because I think it's important to note that these types of things, the routines, the choices that you make in life, really go back to our decision-making functions. When we talk about cognitive functions, all of us have two perceiving functions, and those are going to be the functions where we, that's how we take in information from the world around us. Those are our sensing and intuiting functions, our perceiving functions. But When it comes to how we make decisions, all of us have two of the judging or the decision-making functions, and those are going to be your thinking and feeling functions. I'm going to talk about which functions belong to which type here in just a moment, but it's just important to know as we talk about this that all of us have a thinking function, and that's going to uh, inform how we make decisions based on objective material. And all of us have feeling functions, and that informs how we make decisions that are more subjective, that are more open-ended. So Kelly and I, we are both ENFPs. That means that we are both introverted feelers. 
The introverted feelers, the ones that have that feeling function either in our dominant or our first place cognitive function or in our auxiliary, which is the second place cognitive function, the introverted feelers are ENFP and INFP, ESFP, so like Rebecca, our other co-host is an ESFP, or ISFP. So introverted feelers, we are the people who make decisions subjectively based on our internal code of values, the fact that it's an introverted feeling function. Introverted always refers to our inner selves. So whatever makes the most sense to us inwardly, our own personal code of values, that is how we make our decisions. Does that sound right? Does that ring right for you, Kelly? Yeah, I'm absolutely tracking with you. Okay, so the other end of that would be then our extroverted feelers. These are going to be our ENFJs and INFJs, ESFJs and ISFJs. So the extroverted feelers are the people who make decisions, again, subjectively based on a code of values. However, theirs has to do with their external environment. So they look at a situation and rather than weighing out like what are the facts of this situation or what makes the most sense to me personally, individually as a human, extroverted feelers are looking around to say, um, okay, what's going to be best for the people outside of me? What's going to be best for this group, for this family situation, for this classroom or whatever? So ISFJ, like our other co-host, Laura, people with these extroverted feeling functions make decisions based on what's best for the people around them, based on their code of values. Now, when we get into the thinkers, the people who have a thinking function is either their dominant or auxiliary cognitive function. Then we have our introverted thinkers. So this is gonna be ENTP, INTP, ESTP, and ISTP. And these are going to be the people who make decisions based on what makes the most logical sense based on what's efficient. So again, it's going to be what, in their internal world, what is the most efficient for them. That is then how they make decisions. And so you can imagine then extroverted thinkers, they can be similar to extroverted feelers in that they are gonna be more externally based when it comes to making decisions. So that's our ENTJ, INTJ, ESTJ, and ISTJ. They are going to make decisions based on what makes the most logical sense with how they interact with the outside world. So as we start talking about routines, some of you all might be thinking, first of all, why are you talking, spend so much time talking about routines? Wouldn't it be better to just make yourself a schedule? <laughs> right. <laughs> and some people do function best with a schedule with an hour to hour or even half hour to half hour. This was what needs to be done by this time on the clock. We need to do this. <laughs> I have to tell you, I have tried that and I know from personal experience, that's not a good system for me because I get totally stressed out. Right. <laughs> and then I feel like I'm forced to make decisions based on the clock rather than based on what feels right to me internally. Could you relate right. to that at all, Kelly? Absolutely. Yes. And I think that the, the real key here is that finding something that works for you, right? That's what doesn't work for you right. or for me because of the way that we're wired. But doesn't mean that it's wrong. It works for a lot of people. Right. So giving each other the grace to say, hey, I get that that works for you. I'm so happy. This feels better for me. So you have to find what works for you. Exactly. And through lots of trial and error, I've discovered through the years from when I was teaching in the classroom to when I had little tiny children to now in this season of life when I'm working from home and have family life to balance in there as well, I have really discovered that solid, predictable routines are the best way to guide my day. However, we are totally making allowance for the fact that others of you might be listening and 
feeling like, oh, I don't know about all this routine business. I'll just stick to my schedule. And that is, of course, totally fine, too. We all have so much to learn from each other. Now, Kelly, as we were talking about this show, you brought up Gretchen Rubin and her framework that she kind of sort of categorizes or classifies people in, because I thought of her work as well as really applying to this how we manage our days Uh, That's sort of her specialty that she speaks and writes about a lot. So what did you find out about Gretchen's system for us? Yeah, especially right now, because the book that she most recently published is called Better Than Before, and it's all about routine and what she would call habit. So it goes into great background on, you know, the scientific study of habit, what habits are, why we develop them, how we can change them, what's an effective way to change them. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. But I would say one of the huge takeaways for a lot of people who've read this book is she actually has developed a quiz in her own model for the ways that we make routines and our tolerance for the different levels of routines based on the way we're wired and our personalities. So her book divides them into four types. So I'll go over them real quick. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. Upholders, obligers, questioners, and rebels. Mm -hmm. So Upholders, real quick, are people who respond readily to both inner and outer expectations. So they are the people, just like it says, who kind of feel that they want to uphold the systems. Um, If someone says, this is the right way to do it, they say, absolutely, then I'm going to follow the rules. Um, So they, they respond to both inner and outer. Questioners respond only to expectations that make sense to them. Ah, uh-huh. So they don't respond well to outer expectations. If somebody says, this is the rule, a questioner says, but why? And if they agree with it, if it lines up with their own inner expectations, then they'll follow it. But they're not going to just follow a rule because it's a rule. Obligers really meet mostly outer expectations. These are people who are mostly wired to read the expectations outside of themselves, put upon by other people or society, their workplace, whatever it is, and they feel very compelled to meet those expectations. So this would be somebody who would especially key in with like an accountability group. That's kind of a Christianese sort of word, but a support group, you know, something that would say, hey, I want to meet with you once a week. They're like, great. If somebody outside of me is has an expectation, then I'm much more likely to meet it than if it's just me expecting me to do things. And the last one is the rebels. Rebels resist all expectations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so they just say, you know, this whole idea of rules and expectations, I don't even like them when I set them on myself, much less when other people do. So they are the ones that have probably the the most resistance to a, a routine, but even they would say, you know, eventually I do find something that works. I just maybe they don't even like to talk about it because it makes them feel like now that I've acknowledged that I have <laughs> right. a system in my life, it makes me itch. Um, I think that in her book, and I, I'm going a little bit off the cuff here, but I, I'm pretty sure that she said rebels are not the majority. You know that okay. I think that she said that obligers and up. Um, upholders mm-hmm. and then questioners like those three are kind of the majority of the people that she questioned and again it, I, I think she even said this isn't a super scientific it hasn't been put through great peer review it's just her methodology for trying to char- characterize how you're going to go about making routine work in your life and again she even says in the book that all successful people what they have in common is they figured out how to do their best work Yes. so it doesn't really matter which of those four where you'd find yourself, the key is to be able to identify what motivates you, how routine or habit 
fits in your life. Scheduling even is a, a variety of that, right? It's just a different form of this framework that I feel like we all need in our lives, especially today, I think probably more than ever, just because we have so many decisions to make. Yes, we do. And yes. I don't know a single person who doesn't at some point feel overwhelmed by the decisions that we have to make and the things that we face, even like your Walmart awesome of the week. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, part of what can be overwhelming is to go into a store. And when you said like deodorant, if I have three pages of choices of deodorant, I just want to scream and run away. Like it's too much for my brain on the top (laughs) of all the other things I have to, to think about. So the thing about routine or habit or scheduling is that it helps to set up a framework to contain all of this stuff in our lives that threatens to just be a tsunami of information to drown us. If we're waking up every day and saying, I don't know, what should I do? Should I get dressed? Do I brush my teeth? I I don't know. I don't know. Should I, what toothpaste do I use? There's so many things that we have in our lives that are just have now become automatic. You know, most of us, this is what you do when you first wake up and you're going to brush your teeth and you don't, you know, you have a toothpaste in the drawer. You don't give yourself 17 options in your drawer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so we do, we all have behavior that becomes somewhat automatic and it is a good thing. So that's why routine, the way we all practice it might be different, but it's so important. And I think it's applicable to everybody, no matter what type you are. I think that is so true. I'm super curious. Do you know, Kelly, what of those four types in Gretchen Rubin's system, do you know what you are? I do because I took her quiz. Uh I'm a questioner. Interesting. um, Yeah, it actually Mm. went back. I, I thought about it, you know, in retrospect over, you know, you look back over your life and I said, no, that does make sense. I really resist outer expectations Mm -hmm. and I do want it to make sense to me. If it is a rule that I agree with, then I have no problems with it. In fact, here's a funny story. I am generally a rule follower. There is certainly some pressure in my life just to do that, to be the good girl, you know, Mm -hmm. for all sorts of different reasons. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm an oldest. Even as a woman in America, there's all these expectations that society puts on you, you know, in the West. So I was with some girlfriends recently and we were talking, I don't even know how it came up, about the signs at the gas station that say that you shouldn't use your cell phone when you're gassing up the car Uh and, you know, how you should turn your car off and stand next to the pump. And I was like, I don't do any of that. Like, like I, if it's Kelly. winter, if it's winter, I'm like going to leave the car running. It's cold. You know? What? You're going to oh. blow yourself up. <laughs> she, she was aghast. I'm She's aghast. Like, what, what do you mean you use your cell phone? And I'm like, no studies have really proven. Like, you know, it's static electricity, blah, blah, blah. You know. So again, this is me having done my research and said, I don't believe it. So I'm going to do what makes sense to me. I'm not like out there with a match or like rubbing my coat or my hair together in a balloon like, ha, 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 gas station. Let's see if you blow up now. I mean, I'm not pushing it. But again, I don't follow that rule necessarily because it doesn't make sense to me. Wow. I'm very shocked right now. Sorry. I'm sorry. Don't now. I'm just like, like, I'm trying to process this information. I was always under the belief you absolutely had to turn your car off when you're fueling it. <laughs> no, it's too cold in the winter. It's too hot in the summer. <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyway, that 
that is how I have made that decision, rightly or wrongly. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who will now write me at Kelly Lovell and tell me how I'm damaging everything. You can do that. But that is my personality. Yeah. I question things. So that's how I make decisions. That's how I set up my routines. I, you know, I don't just take somebody else's routine and say, well, that's the right way to do it. Oh, I yes. want to know the why, how, why they did this, you know, how it's effective for them, what's different from their life to my life. And then that's how I apply it. What about you? Do you have I a do. feeling, a gut? I know. I took the quiz too. I'm an obliger, which was not surprising to me. I feel like it really like rings true with a lot of my Enneagram type nine tendencies. The thing, I have like an uneasy relationship with it because I get stressed out when there's a lot of outside expectation on me. But at the same time, I will still follow through and meet those expectations. Like it's yeah. like there's a tension there. So I, as I'm looking through this, these routines that we're about to talk about, I can see how some of them I have set up because they're important to me as a person, but then some of them I have set up because I feel compelled to meet expectation for my family in certain areas. So we'll probably get into some of that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I was going to say too, before we start to talk about this, as you and I were talking about this show, I said something that I realized was like, "This this is actually really so true, and I've never really kind of condensed it down into this. But for me, priority, the priorities in my life and my routines are completely meshed together. Those things are inextricable. So I don't, maybe, I don't know, maybe I have some questioner tendencies. I don't know, because like, I don't have a routine in my life that I do just because or whatever. All of them I've really intentionally built so that something that is a priority to me can happen. And I don't know, maybe it's because, you know, ENFPs we have as our first cognitive function, extroverted intuition, which means that's, that's what explains why ENFPs are distracted by all the shiny things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can have the best of intentions of getting, you know, something accomplished, but then I'm so easily distracted that I fall back on my routines. My routines are in place to keep me on track. Yes. So one of One of the biggest ones for me has to do with my kitchen. This is probably one of my most foolproof routines that I fall back on day after day, even when life is swirling around with craziness. My kitchen and my routines in there are are things that I can do without thinking about it, and they're the same every day. So for example, for me, kitchen, especially when you're talking about like dishes, first thing in the morning, I get up and unload the dishwasher, Now, I like to have a little incentive for boring, dumb tasks that I don't really want to do, but I have to. (laughs) preach. (laughs) So I will often put on a podcast or even just some music. And this is before my kids get up. It's just me, the coffee's brewing in the French press. I turn on some music or podcast. It was so fun during the... um, the the presidential conventions over the summer because every morning NPR politics had a new recap of the night before. And since I didn't watch any of the convention coverage, I could just turn on the NPR politics podcast and hear their little like 20 or 30 minute recap. And I was like, oh, this is making my unload the dishwasher time so fun. Yeah, you, you go a little slower if you know you the do. podcast is there and you want to listen to it. You're like, oh, I'm just going to uh-huh. make sure that dish is perfectly on top of the other. Such a good podcast though, I understand. It's so true. It's so true. So yeah, it just takes a few minutes to to put the dishes away. I do that first thing. That way, again, this is this is where my internal code of values comes in. I know that I do not like to be overwhelmed by walking into a kitchen where there are dirty dishes stacked up. So if dishes do get stacked up during the day, let's say I don't get all the breakfast dishes in the dishwasher before it's time to take kids to school. I it's important to me to know in my mind 
that I can just toss those in the dishwasher and be done. I know that's like a little subtle difference that maybe some people would be like, who cares? But for me, it's a big deal to not get overwhelmed in there. So if it's unloaded first thing, I know I can load them at any time. And then at the end of the day, it is very important to me to leave the kitchen cleaned up. Now, I do not do the fly ladies famous clean your sink (laughs) routine. This has been around for a long time. You might be familiar with her very, very, very specific routine about how to clean your sink and leave it. I used to do that, Kelly, and here's what would happen. I would get so angry at my family for leaving dishes in the sink or water spots on the sink. And eventually I was like, this is not worth it to me. It's not worth it to me to get irritated that they're messing up my clean sink. Like my priority is not in a clean sink, but it is on all of the dishes being in the dishwasher. All the pots are scrubbed. Everything's taken care of. I wipe down the counters. I sweep up every night. It's like comfort to me at the end of the day. Again, no matter how crazy bonkers bananas my day was, at the end of the day, there is one room in this house that is orderly and peaceful. So that's kind of what my kitchen routines look like. I would love to hear if yours are similar, if you have a different approach. Mine are very similar, except (laughs) that I don't always have a load of dishes to unpack in the morning. Although once, you know, we get more deeper into the school year and into winter, I probably will. But absolutely have to have everything clean at night. And and that's one of those things that has been a growth area for me. It didn't used to be something that I cared about when I was in my 20s as much. Um, but what I found was it is so nice to wake up yes. to a clean kitchen and not to have work already hanging over my head. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a little bit of what you're talking about when yes. you say the dishwasher is empty. So you say, I can, this could be settled in a minute. I don't have three steps that I have to complete before yes. I can even get to this fourth step. So to wake up and to walk out to my kitchen, so for me, having the kitchen put away, all the dishes wiped down, and even we kind of have, it's it's an older house, so it's not a real great room and the concept that it is in most houses today, but we have kind of a living area in the kitchen and, oh, and all of that. Yeah, I want all of that picked up for the most part. I don't want to have to be walking on things. Um, that's the only area that I care about kind of daily, wanting it to be clutter-free and picked up because the kitchen gets used a ton. Mm -hmm. So I do that too. But what I was thinking about when we were talking about kitchens was one of the things that, and this has been a slow development too, but I have got it down now, is the meal planning aspect. Right, yes. What happens in kitchens, right? Mm -hmm. So I use this routine, this system for me to really lock in. It's like the foundation of so much of my life. When I start making a meal plan, I actually go back to what is this next week or the next 10 days, however far out I think I'm going to go. I actually stop and look at my calendar and say, what is this going to look like in my life? Do we have a lot of nights that we're not even going to be here at the house um, or not? Are we kind of at a low, more low key time here where I would have the time to cook? We'd have the time to enjoy the meal. If not, you know, if somebody's going to be coming home at six and somebody else has to leave at 630, that will influence how I plan my meals. I will also be a weather geek here and say, I also look at the weather. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Obviously the weather's not foolproof, but I do have seasonal (laughs) recipes, you know, so I cannot make soup in this. I just cannot. Right. Or right, stew. Right. You know, and I, I can still grill some in the in the winter, but you know, like there there are there are flavors and there's types of recipes. So I'm thinking, is it going to be cooler? Is it gonna be hotter? Especially as the seasons transition. I kind of am thinking about that. Like if I don't want to plan um to, to grill, you know, hot dogs and brats on a night that it's actually sixty and raining. Right. So yeah. I kind of look 
a little bit at the calendar. What I have started to do is not so much to plan out Monday's meal this, Tuesday's meal this, Wednesday's meal this, although I might, but I just put down five to eight meals that I'd like to make in the next time. One of the things that's really helped me when I come up against a wall is that I have kept every little meal plan that I have written down. I think it goes back to 2007. Oh my gosh. I have like an entire huge, it should be like a three ring binder of everything that I've written down. And I just write the month at the top of the page. Yes. So if I think, what was I cooking last September? Like what, what are September foods? Like what was good? Um, I can go back and say, oh, that's right. I haven't made that in a long time. And it again, it helps me to not have to look through every cookbook or every recipe that I have in my little box. It helps me to not get overwhelmed by all the choices. I love So that. then once I've got those recipes down and I've kind of know that these are going to work for us, then it's just a simple matter of making a grocery list and, you know, figuring out what I have and what I need. And my other huge tip for this is my system is I have a whiteboard in my kitchen and as I'm running out of things, I write it on that whiteboard. So the next time I have to go to the grocery store, I know what to get. I'm not thinking, wait, did I, did I need more cumin? Did I buy that? Like if it's getting low, it goes on the board and I have a spot for backup. So that I'd never run out is the ideal. Obviously, it doesn't always work that way. But that I never run out of something when you're cooking. So you don't say, oh, shoot, this needs chili powder. I'm out of chili powder. I can't make chili without that. Ah! I hate, like despise wasted trips to the store to get one thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I, so I have a board and I even have like different areas in the whiteboard for different stores. So this is my Trader Joe's area. This is my Costco area. This is my, you know, Target or regular grocery store area because I know, you know, where I'm going to get certain things. So that is such a great time saver. And I'll tell you when I'm finally working on my grocery list off of my meal plan that I've made, if I just go to that board, I'm like, oh, that's right. I would forget everything if I don't write it down. Right. So I write everything down. And so having that whiteboard in my kitchen makes it so quick and easy to just run over and write it down, even in the middle of a meal, um, so that I just am not going to forget things. So that's, man, that saves me so much time in my head. Yes. (laughs) But to have that system in place and that routine, since I do like to cook, especially, it makes it enjoyable again, instead of a hassle. Yeah. All right. We'll be back with more thoughts on routines for home and life after this break. Hi, Awesomes. Kelly and I were just talking about the important role meal planning plays in keeping our weekly routines running smoothly. If you are ready to step up your meal planning game, you're going to want to check out Eat at Home. Eat at Home knows there is nothing worse than the five o'clock freak out about dinner. So they've got you covered with dinner plans that provide easy dinner solutions for busy families like yours and mine. With your membership, each week you'll receive shopping lists, recipes including slow cooker and easy freezer meals, printable menus, and more. Eat at Home's dinner plans all use common ingredients that are easy to find and work for a variety of recipes. This week, Eat at Home is sharing this recipe for a pork chop and veggies one-pan dinner, and it couldn't be simpler to put together. Start by brushing a sheet pan with olive oil. Next, drizzle three to four cups of chopped potatoes with the olive oil, then toss with salt and pepper and add to one section of your pan. Then do the same thing with three to four cups of fresh and trimmed green beans. Finally, brush two pounds of boneless thin-cut pork chops with the olive oil and add those to the remaining space on the pan. Sprinkle your favorite seasoning blend on the chops and then pop the whole thing in a 425-degree oven 
Bake for 30 minutes until your meat is cooked through and your veggies are tender. And now dinner is done and done. That recipe and a link right to eat at home are in this episode's show notes. Don't forget to use promo code AWESOME at checkout to receive 20% off of your Eat at Home membership plan. You can also go right to eatathomecooks.com for more information. So here's to way less grocery store and dinnertime chaos and many more awesome meals to feed our families, all thanks to Eat at Home dinner plans. Okay, we are back and Kelly and I are continuing our discussion of the awesomeness of routines in our lives today. Well, another area where I have I have completely changed my routine so that it does become more predictable and a bigger help for me and again for my family is when it comes to laundry. Now, when I was growing up, I'm the oldest of four kids. My parents did laundry twice a week and really we my sister and I were helping with laundry from quite early on. Um that that was just the routine. And so I kind of grew up, you know how it is, you, you go out into the world thinking the way your family of origin does things is the way to do it. I did it that way for many years, really until the twins were born. I think I've mentioned this on the show before a long time ago when Aaron Odom was a guest on the show way, way, way back in the beginning. But my preferred laundry routine now is to do one load a night. So I gather up all dirty clothes at the end of the day, the girls' uniforms, the twins who have sometimes gone through one or two outfits (laughs) throughout the day, depending on how busy we have been and how busy they have been. Um, I gather up everything. I take it downstairs where our laundry is in our basement and I get it running right before I go to bed again. So it's actually kind of connected to my kitchen routine. So I take it down, get it going. And then in the morning, Again, I'm up before anybody else. I go down. I toss that load into the dryer. It's usually done by the time the kids are up and getting ready for school. So I'll just grab it, fold it, and then get it all put away. So I don't even have to think about it during the course of the day. Like, I don't particularly love doing laundry. So just having a system set up, a routine set up to where I just don't even have to think about it during the day. The kids are not asking, like, where's my this or where's my that? Or Kyle asking, like... Where are those shorts or, you know, I need my dress shirt right now. Um, It's all, you know, just it's an easy way for me to stay on top of it. Because again, I get distracted so easily during the day that it's I I like for those types of things to have no thought attached to them. It's just this is the way we do laundry. So right. It's a habit. I have tried that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work well for me right now um, is what I found. I have a question for you, though. So if you're doing laundry every night and all the things, you're just washing everything in one load. There's not separation of whites and darks. I don't separate them out. I don't know. Maybe I'm destroying the fabric of the universe. I don't know. (laughs) I just wash everything together all on cold every night. Now, obviously, sometimes, like usually on Saturdays, I'll wash linens. So bed linens, towels, those types of things go in, usually on the weekend. My weekend laundry routines are a little bit different. But yeah, in terms of clothes unless there are a few things Kyle's nice white dress shirts I do wash separately from everybody else's stuff um, you know if I have a, uh, a gentle care uh, dress or something that needs to be washed on the gentle cycle I'll do that separate but for the most part like 99% of everything goes yeah. in together yeah and I think it's probably okay I don't really think you are renting the universe's <laughs> fabric with that um, I have a huge washing machine which you know the, the amount of space it has inside is five point something cubic feet. So I can get so much laundry in there that I have taken to doing laundry once or twice a week 
for my entire family. And even then, if we're just talking clothes, like you said, not towels or linens or anything, that's about three loads of laundry. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how big it is. So since it can hold so much and then I can get it all done in one fell swoop, that's what I tend to do. I tend to do it once a week, maybe twice a week, depending on, you know, what's going on. And then when I try to do it all in the same day, that's my goal. And again, it becomes that this is just what you do. And I do give myself a reward. You know, the the doing of the laundry, the moving it back and forth isn't so hard. The folding it obviously is what takes so much time. And so I get that's when I watch um, Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So I bring my my iPad out into our mudroom, which is where our laundry is. And I set it up and I just watch a show or two or three as I'm folding laundry. And really what I found is this is maybe a sensing sort of a thing. I love to fold warm laundry, you know, like when it's just come out and it smells good and it's Mm -hmm. fluffy and the wrinkles haven't set in from it sitting in a laundry basket, you know, Mm -hmm. crushed under a load or a weight of um, clean laundry. Mm -hmm. So there is incentive for me to go out there. And if it's just one basket of laundry, how long does it take really? 15, 20 minutes, probably not even a whole episode of a Netflix show if I'm just watching a sitcom. So if I can just keep folding them right away, it doesn't feel overwhelming to me. And then the nice thing for me about doing it only, let's say once a week, is that then it's done. Yes. And so then I can just put it away and say, and now that's done and I don't have to think about it again. So I think that's the thing for me is trying to do it every day is it feels too never ending for me right now at this point in my life. So it's funny how we're opposite in that way. I know. Um, But (laughs) it works, you know, like that goes back to we both found something that works for us. And so that's good. That's right. That's right. Okay, you mentioned your mudroom. Mm -hmm. Mudrooms are a thing that I think are fairly regional. Um, I know My parents lived in Pennsylvania for a time, and mudrooms are very popular in that part of the country because you come in in the winter, you've got to take off boots and all of the stuff. We do not have a mudroom. In fact, we don't even have like a hall closet. A lot of homes in our area have at least a front hall closet. Our house was built in the 20s, and uh, they were, I mean, closet space is (laughs) negligible around here. So I would love to hear what your mudroom routines look like. I'll tell you a little bit about what we do with all of our stuff, but tell me about this mudroom concept and how it works in your family. Okay, so our mudroom is actually fairly small for a lot of places. I do think you're right that it is regional to some degree. So for places in the Midwest, the North, the East, um, I think even you know over to Seattle and areas that are just going to have more weather and more extremes of weather, it's, I wouldn't say a necessity, but it almost is, you know, like, obviously, you can live with that one. We lived in a 1920s home, but we were in California. So yes, we had no closet space. We had no, it didn't matter as much there. Here, it's such a wonderful thing. And it looks like the people who originally had our home, it had a, a big closet in the garage entry, and they took the closet off and built into that space shelves and a seating shelf with, you know, a bench and under area. Mm -hmm. So it's not overly huge for a family of six, but it works. So there are hooks. There's an area for shoes underneath the bench. And then there's an upper shelf where we keep things. And this is really my motto, as we I'm sure we'll find as we keep talking about it. Everything in my house has to have a place to go. Like it has to have a place. If it doesn't have a place, it gets tossed out. Um, or, you know, things need to be re- rearranged. So that is the key for my somewhat small mudroom. But I do have one big thing in my mudroom that is a huge piece of my routine and my organization. And it is this. Because I leave my house always through my mudroom, I have a counter close to my laundry area, you know, since it's all in this big room. And it is my spot for needs to leave the house. 
So that is where all things go that need to be returned somewhere. It is where library books go. When you are done with it, put it there. It is where the stuff that I bought at Target that no longer works that I'm going to return to Target, it goes there. When friends leave a jacket or their charging cord for their iPad at our house, it goes there. So that's where all the stuff goes right away when we find stuff that we say, oh, this doesn't belong here. It's going to have to go back out. So that way, when I'm leaving the house, if I'm on my way out, I almost always look at that counter first and say, oh, that's right. So just having a spot to put all that stuff is huge for me so that I can remember things. You know, I need to give these school photos to my parents the next time they come over. I'm going to put them here. This is my dedicated spot for things that need to leave the house. So that has become huge to me, especially having it right by the door so I can grab it when I'm leaving. We have a sort of similar setup. We don't have a bedroom. We don't have a closet. But what we do have is a big armoire that Kyle and I bought years ago, even before Daisy was born. It's an antique armoire. And we've kind of converted it into what Mm -hmm. we would normally use as a hall closet. So in it, we have hanging coats and hoodies. Um, The girls hang up their backpacks when they get home from school. It has a drawer at the bottom of it that uh, is the socks and shoes drawer. So it's that one-stop place. And then also what I do, because if I don't do this, I will be forever searching for my keys and my purse, (laughs) is I put my purse and keys, sunglasses, all of that stuff, like you said, that that I'm going to need next time I'm headed out the door. As soon as I come in, it all goes on top of the armor. Kyle keeps his keys up there. And um, that way we always have that one spot. Plus, it is one of the very few surfaces in our house that the twins can't get to. Oh, yes. As Kyla and I have both discovered by having our sunglasses uh, picked up and tried on and broken by them at various points. So um, anything that needs to be kept safe also can go on top of the armoire. So it sometimes gets a little junky. It gets a little cluttered, honestly. And I kind of hate that because it's right in our living room, right when you first walk in the door. But again, we're a busy family for I just have to kind of accept that there's going to be things that get a little cluttery because we all have a lot of stuff. It really makes so much sense too when you have school age kids who are constantly having to keep up with stuff. So I wanted to talk about kids stuff a little bit. We have really started training the girls in some of these routines because I don't know how different schools across the country are, but like AJ is in elementary school. She has a homework folder that has to be signed off on every night for her, um, like her little spelling worksheet or whatever the little homework assignment is. And then her reading minutes every night. So every night we go through the routine of after dinner is homework time. She does hers. I sign the folder. She puts the folder immediately right then puts the folder back into her backpack. The backpack goes by the armoire. So it's ready to go in the morning. Um, Daisy doesn't have quite as much homework now in middle school. They have 90 minute classes. And so she rarely has homework, but she has to read every night and she gets stuff out of her bag. Like she's allowed to take her um, little iPod to school and stuff. So she'll get that out in the evening, but we're constantly like, get it back in your bag, get your bag ready to go. So we have found ways really for, especially during the school year. And that's one of the things I kind of really love about the school year. We've talked a little bit, both of us, about how we kind of resist other people's routines and we have to be in certain places at certain times. But I do really enjoy during the school year that 
there's so much predictability there and the girls are really learning how to keep up with their own stuff <laughs> especially Daisy as she's going into middle school that's a really big emphasis at the school that she's at is is being responsible for your stuff and she's like me and that she needs a consistent place for those things so that's something that we've been doing in terms of school routines for the twins I'm really starting to work with them I mean they're three and a half we should have been doing this already but I'm kind of terrible about teaching my kids cleanup routines because I just like to do it myself because then it's done and it's done the right way. (laughs) But now that they are going to um, daycare more often where they do clean up and I've seen them do it and they know how to do it. (laughs) We've been working more with that. So with their stuff, I keep a limited number of toys downstairs because it's just easier since their bedroom is upstairs. I work on having like little checkpoints during the day of like, okay, we just ate lunch. Now let's clean up kind of all the stuff we'd gotten out this morning. And then we do a after dinner cleanup of their stuff as well. And again, I I think that it's, it's good for kids to start learning to be responsible for their stuff, even if it's not quite as helpful because they don't organize their toys the way I like to. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we're getting there. We're, yeah. we're taking those first little baby steps towards uh, taking care of it and taking responsibility for your own stuff. What has that looked like for you guys? I think in many ways we're similar, especially from when my kids were younger. We would do more of a daily cleanup because things were just everywhere. I will admit that I tended to do a lot of it because again, I wanted it to be put away in the right spot. And I don't know, I've gotten a lot better about this, but I just didn't want to lose anything too. So I wanted to make sure that we still had all the pieces that I knew that if something was missing, that I could go, you know, on an extra big hunt for it. But I would say these days, and of course, as the kids get older, and they want to play with things, you know, like we've got this whole school set up, don't tear it down, you know, it's all set up. Um, I, I have given more and more leeway. I usually at this point with my kids being, you know, six to 15, have usually about once a week where I say, I'm going to clean tomorrow. I need everything off the floor. You know, we have a dog. So like vacuuming is non-negotiable. She says she's a border collie. She's beautiful, but there's a lot of hair in my house and it grosses me out. So when I'm going to vacuum, everybody pitches in and cleans up all the toys. Um, So that's the cleanup day. I occasionally will lose my mind because of the amount of clutter that I'm having to wade through. And so I also get to call mom sanity cleanups. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I just can't think. There's so much stuff. Like, we have to clean up. And it really, I think the good thing for my kids is to see that it probably doesn't take more than half an hour. You know, if we're all working together to clean up all the toys, this is not not like now your whole day is going to be in some sort of a prison of drudgery of, you know, picking (laughs) up Legos. It really, it really doesn't take that long. Um, And it's not messy stuff. Like I do try to just go through real quick sometimes, not even every day, but to make sure there's not food particles laying around or somebody left half a banana somewhere or a cup of milk for bugs. But I mean, really, it's mostly about that once a week. I will say, you know, when you were talking about um, Daisy and organization in middle school, and actually I would love to hear from awesomes who maybe have already walked this road, is trying to teach kids organization and routine so that it does speak to them. And it does exactly what we're saying here, that you have to find what works for you. Connor, my second, is um, in seventh grade this year. And they are really trying to give the kids the most freedom I've ever seen to find an organization system 
that works for them. You know, like, so they're not doing as much as they used to do as far as here's the planner. You need to write it down. Your parents need to sign it. They're saying, we want you to find what works for you. We don't even have, they used to have, everybody had the same binder, you know, to keep their stuff in. They're like, nope, find one that works for you. If you want every class to have its own folder and its own notebook, go for it. If you want to have a big binder that has, you know, pages in it and just little markers, go for it. Whatever works for you. So what we're finding, and I've talked to him about this, like he's really, he's not naturally organized, which I think that probably me, this stuff came more innately for for me. So letting him struggle, but giving him some ideas of saying, you could try this. Would this work? How about doing it this way? So setting a framework in our house, as far as like you said, the backpack is here, do your homework. It goes immediately back in. So I can set some of those rules. Like this is how we're going to do some of these things to make it easier for you. But as far as, you know, what you do through the week, what's coming up, how you're going to organize it, letting them struggle through some of that. That's something I'm still learning how to do to help them establish their own routines that make sense for them. We are just at the very beginning of that phase. And it is, it's a challenge. Okay, well, we have talked lots about routines that we have put together for our families and to run our home. I wanted to talk a little bit too about the routines that we have created for ourselves so that we can make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and that we are carving out time in the day to rest and relax and take care of relationships. So Kelly, I would love to hear from you what some of the routines that you have built in place that allow you to do self-care time to make sure that you are um, also a priority as you put your routines together. You know, I'm sure that all the awesomes listening can understand this. It changes depending on your life stage. You know, what you do, what works for you. The intention of caring for yourself is always there, but how it actually looks in your real life changes. What I have found is that classes really work best for me to keep me motivated to going because I like classes. And again, this goes back to the decision making the feeling that you're going to be overwhelmed when I just have to go to work out by myself, say I have a, you know 20 minutes to an hour, I get distracted, I get unmotivated. So when I'm at a class and someone's saying, this is what you're going to do, I'll do it and enjoy it because I'm not having to think about what I do next. I, so yeah. I actually have really come to love, um, you know, weight work, muscle work sort mm-hmm. of building. But if I had to go to a weight room and do my own weights versus going to a body pump class where they're just saying, this is what we're going to do, I wouldn't be doing it. So for sure, that's a thing that I helps me to keep motivated. Do you have something kind of in that realm? I do. I do. I'm the same with um, exercise. Although mine looks different. I don't, if I know if I have to depend on getting my everybody together and, or, you know, just the twins and I to get down to the Y or something. Um, I know that there's a really reduced chance of me following mm-hmm. through on it. Yep. So I, but I'm like you, I've really started to enjoy the weights workouts. Those have just been really great for me, not only physically, but mentally too. They mm-hmm. really have been, but um, I do them at home with a workout series that I've used for years from Beachbody. It's called Shalene Extreme. I really like her approach. And I've really, I can kind of measure my success as I go through. So I can kind of, you know, see see where I am and all of that. So that's been a really good one. Another one for me too, to, to really make time for and be intentional about is nutrition. I have to confess that as, as we've been in this swirl of a couple of weeks leading up to me leaving for Lebanon, my nutrition has not been great. I've just, just, I have forgotten to eat lunch so many days. That's never happened before, but my brain is just like so busy so much of the time. 
And then, so by three o'clock, I'm starving and I'm just grabbing whatever, and it has not been great. So it has reminded me that those routines that allow me to have great nutrition to, you know, eat at times, certain times through that throughout the day are important. Another thing that's super important to me on the in the realm of nutrition are taking my supplements. So every morning I take a prenatal still because I struggle with anemia and the prenatal that I love by Rainbow Light. It's the only iron supplement I've ever taken that doesn't make me sick to my stomach. So Mm -hmm. I take that I take my fish oil supplements in the morning, any other like homeopathic something that I've got going on um, to help with anxiety or anything like that I do all of that with my breakfast which breakfast is anchored in the school morning routines so it's really easy for me to remember to get all of that in but without without those routines I would just be you know spinning around and like why am I hungry why why do I feel weak and tired oh I haven't eaten I haven't taken my my prenatal vitamins and those types of things right (laughs) and I'm similar in the sense that breakfast is really the biggest routine of for my nutritional day is that breakfast is almost always healthy Mm -hmm. and it's often the same thing Mm -hmm. you know we my husband and I we like to go out for breakfast but We've often joked there's just only so many things in America, at least, that are on the breakfast menu. You know, it's just variations on a theme. Yeah. So I love that, that it cuts down on the options and the choices for me. So I will very often get into a breakfast rut. But if it's healthy, I'm like, go for it. Because then you have to think about it. And I'm starting off my day with something, especially right now, I'm very protein focused. Mm -hmm. So that I have some protein right in the morning. I used to eat cereal for breakfast for years and years years and years. And I just found like, it's just not giving me enough protein to make it through, you know, wherever the next meal will be. So my routine is just very simple. And like you said, I think that when we first wake up, especially having some routines for that morning time period, whether you're getting kids off to the school, you're just getting yourself off to work, you know, doing these things, eating this breakfast just sets your whole day up right. So if you can find what works for you, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to exercise first thing in the morning, or you're not, you're going to have some quiet time. Are you going to, um, you know, like you do, unload the dishwasher. Are you going to make a breakfast for you? You have a cup of tea, whatever it is. For me, having that healthy breakfast in the morning is just a key part, just like a bedrock of what my morning looks like. And it's the way I take care of me and sets me up for a good day. Yeah. And a lot of it too, for in terms of taking care of myself, I realize, and Kelly, you've really kind of given me a vocabulary that really resonated with me is my need for white space. And you've talked about this before on the show. I've really adapted that into my life. And I know I can operate at my healthiest levels if I have enough white space in the morning and at the end of the day. So I intentionally get up quite a while before my kids so I can just move around in total quiet. No one's talking to me. I'm doing things, you know, I'm throwing laundry into the dryer. I'm unloading the dishwasher. But it's just that quiet that I need at the beginning of the day. Now, at the end of the day, it's not necessarily that I need complete quiet. It's the time when Kyle and I get into bed. We turn on Netflix. If we have a show that we're watching, I do a lot of reading before bed. And I've been really trying to make myself turn off all internet access by like nine o'clock at night. Now, again, these past few weeks have been a little bit crazy with some late nights. And I been feeling it. I really, I genuinely, I like I, I'm recognizing I can push through this for a season, for a short season. I know it's coming to an end by the time I get back from Lebanon and, and really settle into the routines of life. I'll reestablish my white space routines at the end of the day. But um, just to be able to read and just kind of come down from the day before I settle into sleep is a huge part of taking care of myself for me. 
Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think I look at it as a weekly basis. And although I do have, I read every night before I go to bed, absolutely like I can't go to sleep without reading. Even if it's a half of a page before my eyes are rolling back in my head, it's just one of those things that is just such a a part of my routine. But having that white space built out over my week, because some days are busy, but knowing that, hey, if I can get through this really busy day, tomorrow is going to be much more calm and I'm going to have a little bit more space. That's so huge. And what I've really found is I have to build in more white space than I think. Yes. Than I think I need. Yeah. Because that was not my natural inclination. I used to try to cram everything in and say, well, this will all work in a perfect world. And every once in a while, you do have that perfect day where you do get everything done and there are no red lights and it all just works. But I have found that I don't usually live in that perfect world. And so, you know, kids have tantrums and things break. And so to build in more white space than I think I even need helps to keep me sane. And so I've learned to say no. I have learned to really, as I'm setting up my schedule every week, to make sure that I'm not overcommitting myself or my children um, to things. All right. Well, we would love to hear what these routines look like around your house. And if you want to come tell us where you fit in Gretchen Rubin's framework, if you're an obliger like me or a questioner or whatever your type is in that, we would love to talk about that too. So please do come find us on social media. Kelly, remind us where we can find you all around the web. On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Kelly at Lovewell. And on Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash Lovewell blog. Okay. And just as a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And the show is on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks again to Eat at Home for sponsoring today's episode. Eat at Home provides weekly meal plans for down-to-earth recipes made with the foods that you love. Let Eat at Home do all the planning for you so your meal planning and prep is nothing short of awesome. Go to eatathomecooks.com and don't forget to use code AWESOME when you check out. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at sortaawesomeshow.com where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at progermusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.